Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. This episode is round two of the Luke's English Podcast anecdote competition. And in this one, you will be able to hear the 10 anecdotes that got the most votes from round one. And then you can vote for your favorites here. And also, at the end of the episode, you will hear some language feedback. Um, just a little bit of language feedback from me uh, with some corrections and stuff like that. Okay, right. So that's what you're going to get in this episode. Uh, so here is the jingle starting now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. How are you doing out there in podcast land? I hope you're fine. This is the Luke's English Podcast anecdote competition round two. And the last time I talked to you about this competition was in episode 387, when I let you know that all the anecdotes were available for you to listen to and vote for. I got about 60 anecdotes in total, and I posted them on the page for episode 387. People then visited the page, listened to the anecdotes, and voted for their favourites using the online poll. Now, 60 anecdotes was a lot. Um, so I think that that was quite a challenge, really. If, if, if you managed to listen to all of them and then vote for your favourites, then well done, because that must have taken some time. And in fact, not that many people did. Only a small proportion of my audience actually went and voted. Um, I guess that's just because the sheer number of anecdotes was a little bit overwhelming. Um, but um, anyway, what we've done now is um, uh, whittled it down. We've narrowed it down to just 10 anecdotes because the poll is now closed and I've counted up the votes. And in this episode, I'm going to play you the top 10 anecdotes in terms of votes. And you'll you'll hear them in just a few minutes in this episode. So you're going to listen to them. And then I'd like you to visit the page for this episode and vote for your favourites. Um, just 10 anecdotes. So it's much more manageable. Um, and really easy. Uh, you can find the page on my website in the archive, or if you just click the blue button under the email subscription form on every page. You can't miss it. On every single page, there's a logo in the top right-hand corner, my podcast logo, and underneath that is the email subscription um, section, and then you'll find a blue button that's called the LEP Anecdote Competition. Click that, and you'll get to the page for this episode where you will find the, the poll where you can vote, and it's really simple. Uh, to be honest, I still haven't decided what the prize will be for this competition. It will probably be some merchandise with the with the Luke's English Podcast logo on it, like a free mug or a tote bag. Truly exciting prizes are on offer here in this most prestigious of awards. Forget the Oscars, forget the Nobel Prize. This is the Luke's English Podcast anecdote competition. It's a seriously big deal, ladies and gents. No doubt the world's press will be lining up to interview the winner. The paparazzi will be following him or her everywhere. Um, not really, of course. I'm just joking. But anyway, the point is it's not necessarily about the winning. It's about the taking part, right? 
and that's the general spirit of this um, of this competition. It's basically to encourage my listeners to push themselves out of their comfort zone a little bit, record themselves telling their anecdotes, and generally help uh, themselves and help each other to improve their English a little bit more. I know that this kind of episode is not necessarily for everyone and that some of you out there don't really fancy listening to other listeners, but I suggest that you do check out these recordings because you might be pleasantly surprised. I found it quite entertaining, enlightening and also heartwarming to hear the voices of all these people around the world who listen to my podcast telling their stories. And there are some great little stories in there, some funny ones, some scary ones, uh, some touching ones too. So even if you are a bit sceptical or even cynical about episodes like this, I would say just give it a try. You might be surprised. Um, also, I'd like you to re- I'd like to remind you that the general spirit of this whole competition is to encourage my listeners in their quest to improve their English. That's why I did the competition in the first place. I want to support my listeners in their English learning. So I'd like to encourage all of you listening and commenting on the website to be positive and encouraging, because after all, this is all about helping people to improve their English. Um, now, just before I play you the 10 anecdotes that have qualified, I'd just like to say a couple of other things. So first of all, well done to everyone who took part. It does require a bit of bravery to record your voice and then have everyone listen to you, especially if you're doing it in a language which you're learning. So if you did send me an anecdote, then well done. And I think uh, you you know, it's it's you've done the right thing. I think it's important to push yourself out of your comfort zone and challenge yourself a bit. Um, and I'm really proud of the listeners who sent in their recordings. Only 10 people got through to the second round here, but it's no reflection on the standard of the other 50 or so recordings that I received. Everyone did really well, and I'm proud of you all. Um, also, a big thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to all the anecdotes and vote for their favourites. There were a lot of recordings in part one, and it must have taken you a very long time to listen to them all. Some people in particular went out of their way to listen to every single recording very carefully, and then uh, they voted using well-selected judging criteria that they've come up with themselves. Also, some people left individual feedback for every single anecdote. So thank you so much for the attention that you gave and the care with which you wrote your comments. I'm really impressed and just generally thank you very much for taking part so enthusiastically. Um, I can't go into lots of detail about the other recordings which didn't get through to round two. Um, I'd love to talk about them all individually, but there just isn't enough time. However, you can still go back to the page for episode 387 and listen to those anecdotes and also read the various comments which you can find there and they contain some individual bits of feedback from listeners. Um, I would like to give honourable mentions to everyone, but I'll specifically mention just a couple of recordings which, for one reason or another, stuck in my mind. So I was listening to all of the 60 anecdotes on my phone while I was walking around And just a couple of them stick in my mind. As I said, they were all great, and I'm proud of everyone. But I've just got two which I'd like to mention. So one of them is Jane from Taiwan. She didn't get into round two, but her story stuck in my mind because Jane talked about how she managed to pluck up the courage to escape from a burning building. So she told a story about how she was in her apartment building, and um, suddenly there was a fire alarm, 
and it turned out the building was on fire, the place was full of smoke, and, you know, it was a bit touch and go, but she managed to escape from the building. And what was it that gave her the motivation to to get out? Well, apparently she said she was she decided to make a break for it because she was so keen to survive in order to be able to listen to new episodes of Luke's English Podcast in the future. So apparently Luke's English Podcast saved Jane's life. Uh, I'm not really sure I believe it, but it's very flattering of you to say that, Jane. I'm sure that... Uh, there are plenty of other things that were far more important to you, but uh, it's very flattering of you to have uh, uh, said that it's the podcast that kept you alive on that day. Amazing story. Also, I'd like to mention Akane from Japan. And uh, this recording just made me laugh a lot. I was walking down the street listening to this and I was laughing out loud. Um, Akane basically explained how she managed to catch a cockroach in her apartment. You know what a cockroach is. They're disgusting bugs, you know, insects, these horrible pests that you that often people have in their in their apartments. They're like impossible to kill, it seems. You know, if there's a nuclear holocaust, they say that the only things left will be cockroaches and maybe Keith Richards. Uh, so uh, Akane managed to catch a cockroach in her flat and she disposed of it in a particular way. So she used this method where you cut a, a Coke bottle in half, a plastic bottle in half, and you sort of put it over the cockroach. And then using the hole at the top of the bottle, you spray in some sort of uh, bug spray to kill the cockroach. But Akane didn't have any bug spray, so she used like this industrial strength like bathroom cleaner that she had in her bathroom. She sprayed it all over the cockroach and the cockroach died at extremely gruesome and disgusting death. Uh, and I just found the way that the way that she described it just really made me laugh out loud. It was like some sort of horror movie for cockroaches. It was like The Walking Dead for cockroaches, you know, or The Crawling Dead or something. Anyway, that just made me laugh out loud. I'd love to talk more about all of the others, but there just isn't time. There's just a couple that stuck in my mind that didn't get through to round two. Um, now... Um, so here are some rules for round two, and I'm just going to talk for like about one or two minutes before playing you the anecdotes, okay? So here are the rules for round two. You can vote for as many anecdotes as you like, but you can only vote once, okay? So, you know, you can vote for one, two, three, four, or in fact, vote for all 10 if you want to, but you don't get to change your vote this time. So just once. So listen to this episode and make a note or make a mental note of the anecdotes that you like before visiting the page and then casting your vote. It's very simple to do. As I've said, just use the interactive poll on the page. Uh, it might not work very well on a mobile device, but it should work fine on a desktop, laptop, computer or a tablet. The voting closes on Sunday the 27th of November at 12 o'clock midnight. So that's at the end of the day on Sunday uh, the 27th of November, uh, Central European time. That's when voting is going to close. Uh, then uh, after that, the votes will be counted and the winner will be announced on the podcast later. And then prizes will be given and um, you know, it will become a life-changing moment, I'm sure. So please, 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 please vote. It will make the competition more fun. Uh, it's better when there are more votes. And also it means that the, the voting is more reliable, you know. Um, it's very simple to do, to find the page for the episode, blah, blah, blah. I've already told you how to find the page. Don't need to repeat that, do I? No, I don't. So remember, as you listen to these stories, that I ask the listeners to tell their stories without reading from a script. 
And I'll let you decide the criteria for your judging. You can think about grammar, vocabulary and pronunciation, or just simply uh, judge the anecdotes based on the general feeling that you get from listening. So did you find them enjoyable? How did them? How did they make you feel? Um, so I'll let you decide your judging criteria. That's all I have to say here in the introduction. So now let's listen to the anecdotes in no particular order. And we're going to start with Christina from Russia. Uh, and this is a story about when Christina had a very stressful, embarrassing and thrilling experience of working as a translator for a famous film director. So here is Christina's story. Hello, Luke. Hello, listeners. My name is Christina. I'm from St. Petersburg uh, in Russia. And this is my anecdote. So it's about a time when I ended up translating for the Serbian film director Emir Kusturica. So this was a couple of years ago. Uh, I just graduated from the university and uh, I was looking for a job. And uh, I heard that in St. Petersburg, where I live, there was going to be this international film festival. So I applied for, for a job because I thought I could uh, translate some subtitles for the films from German into Russian and English into Russian. And uh, I got the job, I'd done some translations before the festival, and then there was the opening ceremony, and um, the I got invited because um, everyone who worked at the festival was invited, so I was told that I wouldn't have to translate, interpret for anyone, because the big star for the festival was Emir Kusturica, very famous in Russia and Eastern Europe. He had his own translator, and uh, he he was not going to say much. He was just probably going to say hello and welcome. And anyway, he has his own translator, so no worries. They said, just come to the ceremony, enjoy the evening and relax, which I did. So I was sitting there in the audience full of this beautiful actors, uh, people, the industry people, filmmakers, uh, journalists. And so I was sitting there relaxed when suddenly I got the phone call from the woman who's in charge of all the translations at the festival. And she says, yeah, you know, Christina, you will have to translate for Emir Kusturica. He's about to go on stage. So in, in like 10 or 15 minutes, uh, he'll go on stage. You go with him. And instead of saying hello and thank you, he will, he will give a full length opening speech unprepared. And you will translate that. <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, OK, yeah, OK, fine. I was shocked, really. I was so stressed. I'd never ever done anything like that before. I, I, had, I had some translating, uh, interpreting experience, uh, but it was nothing compared to that. And I was just sitting there all scared and trembling with fear because I, I hadn't even met him before because you're supposed to get used to the way the person speaks, the accent... And everything. So I was, I was absolutely not unprepared, and uh, I was just sitting there. I, I thought, okay, I could probably breathe because I don't know what else to do of this ten or fifteen minutes before he goes on stage. Uh, so then he went on stage. I went together with him. He started speaking, and I started translating that. Uh, but the first thing I heard when I just opened my mouth. I heard the laughter from the audience. So the, 
the audience, they all, they were laughing. <laughs> and I didn't, I was, on top of all the nervousness I already felt, uh, there was this laughter for no reason. Then I realized it was because uh, Emir Kusturitz is very tall and big, kind of big, so he's probably twice as tall as I am. And the microphone was adjusted to his height, so I had to jump a little bit to reach the microphone. And apparently everyone found it, found it hilarious, I don't know, they were all laughing. So then the microphone got fixed, someone fixed it, and we continued. And uh, the translation went actually very well, until the last moment, the last thing he said, it was... A little bit more difficult than than the rest of the speech and uh, in any other situation I would have easily translated it into Russian but at that particular moment I for some reason I just panicked so there was one word which I know I should never ever focus on individual words but I did and I just I was just standing there silently panicking saying nothing for a couple of seconds uh, to me, it lasted for eternity, but in fact, there was a couple of seconds. Then somehow I thought, okay, okay, right, what can I do now? Everyone's staring at me, all the cameras, the lights, uh, the people, the audience, Emir Kusturica, <laughs> my boss. Uh, what should I do? I can run away crying, that's one option. <laughs> but then I decided, okay, I, I will end the sentence. So I somehow managed to just end the sentence. I said something, it was not perfect translation, but at least I didn't run away. So, yeah, I ended the sentence. And Emir Kusturica, he saw that I was really struggling with this last bit, and he came close to the microphone, and in a very supportive voice, he said, yes. And also he gave me a pat on the shoulder, and it was really a really sweet and nice moment and, and everyone in the audience saw that and they started clapping and yeah, it all ended well. <laughs> but uh, to me, it was really stressful and uh, stressful and at the same time, it's a very exciting experience. So that's my story. Okay, so that was Christina from Russia. Uh, well done, Christina. Blimey, it sounds like it was quite a stressful situation it must have been very difficult with all that pressure and no preparation well done for not running away crying although it sounds like you handled the situation uh, okay it just shows doesn't it that sometimes you have to carry on even when you feel like it's not going perfectly uh, you have to just keep going and everything will be okay and it's not as bad as it seems so that was uh, Christina from Russia and now we're going to hear from Jose from Spain telling a story about uh uh, a weird thing that happened when he was a child in the 1980s. I will let uh, Jose tell it to you himself. So this is Jose from Spain. Hello, Luke. This is Jose from Spain. And this is my anecdote. Um, I was born in the 70s. So it all happened when I was around 11 or 12 in the 80s. So as you know, uh, people, teenagers at that time were allowed to play in the streets. So I used to hang out with my mates in the local park in the neighborhood where I was living. And I had to confess that that neighborhood was particularly a rough one. But anyway, that's another story. Um, so um, one day, uh, a new guy moved to the neighborhood and we made friends with him. He was a very cool guy. He was very kind. 
and he also had a car. So um, we used to go to different places with him. He used to take us to different places, mostly to the beach, because it all happened in the summer. So, but the thing is that one day, while we were going back from the beach, I was sitting in the back seat of the car with two of my closest friends, and suddenly a car appeared on the other lane of the road, and the guy that was sitting on the passenger seat stuck his hand out of the window with a police badge in his hand and forced our car to pull over. You know, at that time, at that moment, particularly, I was, I was freaking out. I couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, the police was forcing us to pull over. What the hell was going on? And it was just like being in a, in a movie or something like that. So we eventually stopped the car. We got out of the car and the police handcuffed our new friend and asked us some questions, basically about where did we met him, why did we know about him, what, he, what did he want from us, and things like that. But eventually, the police let us go. So we went home. <laughs> Obviously, my parents didn't know anything about it, and the thing is that they still don't know anything about that. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much all. Pretty weird experience, and, and I still don't know what were the intentions of this guy and I think I'd rather I'd rather not know it so that's pretty much all thank you so much for listening Luke cheers bye so that was uh, Jose's story ah I get it now the first time I heard that I thought that the guy who pulled Jose over was like maybe not a cop or something but i understand it now so the guy who gave jose a lift the guy who gave you a lift jose was maybe a little bit dodgy and he got pulled over by the cops and the cops were saying how do you know this guy what's your relationship to this guy so weird maybe this was some sort of dodgy semi-criminal weirdo and it just i guess it just goes to show that uh, uh, you shouldn't necessarily get into the car of someone that you don't even know very well but that's a weird story who was i i wonder who this guy was who had the car and why the police were so interested in his relationship to you bit of a weird one that one yes okay now let's move on and we're going to hear from uh shujat from pakistan and this one is uh another dramatic story about uh, how um uh, one of my listeners managed to escape from almost certain death Yes, another dramatic story. I'll let Shujat uh, tell the story to him to you himself. So this is uh, Shujat from Pakistan. Well, hello, all listeners, and hello, Sir Luke. Uh, today, I have brought an anecdote dish with me to share it with you all in the anecdote party that Sir Luke have arranged. Uh, so, uh, my title of my story uh, is kind of a terrorism that happened in my city. Uh, and that uh, that story I'm gonna tell is about uh, like uh, two years ago that happened that event happened. So, uh, well, uh, one day I had to go to my college uh, by local transport. It's a public transport, and uh, the bus dropped me near a court. And that court uh, near that court there was a street that was straightly leading to my college. So I really had to use that um, route to get to my college, and I I had to go by foot. So. Uh, as I started traveling towards uh, that street, I had to go up uh, like two minutes uh, like on foot to get to the street as well. So I was going towards the street. Uh, suddenly I heard 
I heard actually I heard a lot of fires uh, bullet fires from the court well but the thing is that I wasn't frightened at all uh, I didn't give it that importance but suddenly a lot of people were rushing out of the court and I, it, still I wasn't frightened I still I didn't give it that importance I never thought that it would be that serious but it, a lot of people were like were rushing out of there it was like uh, they were saving their lives but well I I don't know why I didn't give it that importance I, and I continued walking towards the street and I, as I was gonna enter the street I saw a man I didn't I didn't know where he was before it was like he appeared there and he asked me that where are you going I told him that I'm going towards my college and I'll have to use this uh, street to go there so he asked me that um, maybe you shouldn't go from here because it, I don't think that it's gonna be safe if you go from here there are already firing going on there it, it's gotta be something like terrorist activity so he told me another way He's, he asked me to go from there it would be better it would be safer so yes um, I accepted that and um, I went, I started walking towards uh, the, uh, the other street. He told me another well, um, address, so maybe I shouldn't talk it that um, all detail. I shouldn't go in the detail. So, well, the thing is that I started traveling towards there. So, suddenly I heard a blast. And the blast really happened right on the street from where I was going to pass before, near the court. And well, I, I, I was that time, I really w was frightened that that man just saved my life because I, w I would have died in that blast. Because that really happened in the very exact place from where I was going to pass. And that was not a small blast, it was a big one. So yeah, that was, that's why it is my most memorable anecdote. And uh, that is the thing I can't forget in my entire life because that would have been my last day in this world as well. So that's that is the thing I'm sharing this story with you. That sometimes uh, the people you don't know, they uh, like uh, the people uh, which uh, are unknowns, really can save your life, and you should li really listen uh, listen to those people as well. So thank you everyone listening to my anecdote and uh, thank you salute to uh, entering uh, my voice into the competition and well uh, salute I'm really a good listener a regular li listener of you thank you so much uh, everyone have a good day Okay so that was uh, Shijat from uh, Pakistan wow uh, a story about how he managed to avoid getting getting killed in a terrorist attack Wow. Um, and um, I can't believe that you were so calm at the beginning during all that gunfire when those people were running away and you heard the gunfire and you were just like, oh, I'll just carry on. <laughs> I'll just carry on my day. It's just a few people running away from, uh, from a, you know, a shooting. No problem. So th thank goodness there was a, a stranger there who told you that you had to escape because, yeah, you would have just walked into this building which uh, which was attacked and that was blown up. So goodness me, what a dramatic life some of my listeners have. All of these dramatic stories. Um, so, all right. So that's Shujat from Pakistan. Oh, by the way, Shujat, thank you for calling me Sir Luke. I, I appreciate that. I'm not a knight. I'm not actually, I haven't been knighted by the Queen. 
Um, so you don't have to call me Sir Luke, although I, I appreciate the honour that you uh, have bestowed upon me. But uh, no, you you only call someone Sir if they've been knighted. And to be knighted is like the highest honour that you can get from the 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 monarch or the government. And only if only select people get knighted for special contributions to the realm. People, you know, like sort of great business people or people who've invented fantastic things or generally people who've contributed a lot. Um, also certain sort of musicians and uh, cultural um, leaders also get knighted. Like we've got Sir Paul McCartney, for example, but not Sir Luke. You could just call me Luke. That's enough because... Um, uh, the Queen hasn't recognised me for my uh, contribution to to um, the English language. Not yet, anyway. Uh, so that was Shujat from Pakistan. Let's move on now and hear an anecdote from Saya from Japan talking about how a couple of embarrassing experiences and then a coincidence made her realise that she really does take after her father. So here is Saya from Japan. Hello, Luke and listeners. I'm going to talk about the day I found my father is my real father. When I was in junior high school, I had a serious doubt about my family bond. I was constantly questioning myself, is my father really my father? He doesn't look like me, does he? Or well, I don't look like him at all. Since I had this kind of doubt, I couldn't talk to my father face to face and I kept avoiding him. I won't talk to this stranger, never. Why do I have to? That was what I was thinking. However, something rescued me from this nightmare, which were pyjamas. One day I had a class. In Japan, we usually have school uniforms, so I wore them as usual and went to school. But that day, everyone was looking at me with their mouths open, as if I were a new student or some kind of an invader. When I reached my classroom, a friend of mine told me that I was wearing pyjama pants underneath my skirt. I was so embarrassed that I forgot to change my pyjamas, which means that I was in both pyjamas and school uniform. I didn't realise until my friends told me so. Since then, I was called Sleepy-chan. By the way, Chan is kind of a way Japanese like to put after their names. It's like a nickname. Anyway, even if I felt embarrassed, Every time they call me Sleepy-chan, I quite like this nickname, to be honest. Well, no, actually not. I didn't. That was a silly name. A stupid name. <laughs> the funny thing was, on this very same day, when my dad came home from work, I found that something was hanging out of his suits. Guess what? Yes, pyjamas. My dad works at a bank. He always wears suits smartly. A very strict workaholic man, I would say. But he wore pyjamas to work, too. Wow, he is my dad. That was my first impression. How could I have done this silly thing without having my dad's DNA? I'm his daughter. I wore pyjamas to school by mistake. But my father did as well. In my dad's case, he didn't realise until I pointed out that he is wearing pyjamas. That's also a funny thing, isn't it? I somehow felt relief and started to think my dad is my dad. Now I'm very proud of my dad. Our bond is indeed created by pyjamas. Thank you, lovely pyjamas. The end. Thank you so much for listening to my small anecdotes. 
Okay, so that was Saya from Japan. And thank goodness for the pyjamas, because, I mean, God, you might still be doubting whether your father really is your father uh, to this day. I wonder if um, his colleagues also call him Sleepy Chan now as well at the bank. Uh, So that was uh, Saya from Japan. Let's move on and hear uh, anecdote number what? Is this number five? We had one, two, three, four. This is five now. And this is Vasily from uh, Tashkent. Uh, in Uzbekistan, uh, telling the story about how he met his wife, and it's accompanied by the sound of himself playing accordion in the background. So this is Vasily's story. Hi, Luke and everyone. My name is Vasily. I live in Tashkent. This is a very nice and sunny city in Uzbekistan, and very nice people, friendly people live here. And I'm a music teacher, and just now you can hear me playing the accordion. This is because this instrument plays a very important role in my story. And I want to tell you about how I met my wife. I used to be a student of music college at that time, and it was a nice spring evening. I was walking along the street, And while approaching the bus stop, I noticed a young lady with an accordion there. I had never seen her before in my life. And without any hesitation, I came up to her. It's not because she attracted me as lady, but because I was curious about her musical instrument. And I asked her some questions concerning the accordion. The bus came and I helped her with her instrument to get on and we went on talking inside the bus and she said that she was a student of medical institute and that she loved music very much and at that same moment she was going to her private teacher for a lesson and by coincidence her teacher lived in my district not far from me and I decided to help that young lady I carried her accordion to the place where her teacher lived then I thought that it would be difficult for her to carry the accordion back home. And so I waited until her lesson was over and carried her accordion to her place. And when we came up to her house, the rain started. And she brought her umbrella and gave it to me. And I promised to give it back next day. As you can guess, we met again next day. And we walked and talked a lot. And that is how our friendship began. But I didn't mention one detail. When I noticed her at the bus stop, the first idea that came to my mind was I would never marry her. But in a year we got married. And it proves that no one knows what future is going to prepare for us. And by the way, we still have that special accordion at home. But my wife doesn't touch it anymore. And I don't know why. Do you? That's a nice uh, romantic story from Vasily there. Um, And it's nice to hear the accordion in the background. I love the accordion. I used to have an accordion, but I don't play it anymore. In fact, uh, I gave it away to someone. I gave it away. I don't know if uh, I gave it away to a friend of mine. I don't know if she's still playing it. But anyway, it's very nice to hear your story. And um, now you asked, you said at the end there that your wife doesn't play the accordion anymore. She doesn't touch it anymore. 
and you wonder why. Well, maybe, you see, maybe what happened is that she used, originally, she used the accordion as a way to attract uh, a musical man to herself. You know, maybe she was looking for a a man with musical talents because, you know, that's attractive in a bloke, isn't it, that um, you can play the accordion. So maybe she sort of used it as a way of finding uh, a guy like you, Vasily, because... um, she did say, she did say, oh, it'll be difficult to carry the accordion home. And you stepped in and said, don't worry, I'll carry it home. So to be honest, I think that uh, these sorts of things don't always happen purely by chance and that women have a pretty clever way of making sure that uh, uh, men are in the right place at the right time. Um, and so maybe that's it. Maybe she used the accordion to attract you and that now she's got you, she doesn't need to play it anymore, which is a pity because it would be nice if the two of you played the accordion together. I think that would be sweet. Anyway, that was Vasily's uh, story. Um, and let's now move on to hear from uh, Wager Wang from China talking about how his female friend uh, once t- totally took him by surprise by telling him that she'd fallen in love with him. But was it really true? Here is the story from Weijia Wang from China. Hello, Lapstars. Are you ready? Here comes my story. And this happened when I was uh, a junior at college. One night, right, I received a phone call from my best female friend. Not surprisingly, uh, because because she would like to call me many times a week. Anyway, uh, she said weirdly, I have something really very important to tell you. Okay, are there funny stuff? Uh, I think I may fall in love with you. Oh my God, my heart stopped for a while and then beat violently, right? Like storms come all at once. And there's something you guys should know about me. I was a bit of a nerd who just like studying and reading books all day. So I didn't know how to deal with that kind of unusual situation, right? So I was totally quivering, trying to squeeze some words out. So I said, okay, but why? Because you are tall, handsome. While she was talking, I heard some laughter from her phone. And soon I realized that uh, it might be a joke. Because I... I remembered she'd mentioned several times that I'm just her female friend, right? So I interrupted her. Uh, and are you are you playing truth or there? Because I can hear the laughter and I knew it right from the very beginning. Okay, at that time I lied, okay? Because I would not let her know that I did believe what she said because that would be a huge embarrassment, right? And she responded quickly, I'm still in the middle of the game, talk to you later. And then she just hang out the phone, left him me there, I was standing there, you know, heartbroken, face completely red, right? But luckily, I was in the dark. What can be more embarrassing is that maybe right now, she's listening to this, okay? And that's it, that's my story, I hope you enjoy it. Now it's time to say bye, 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 bye. So that was uh, Weijia Wang from China, and so she what she didn't fall in love. She hadn't fallen in love with you then. She uh, she was just playing a, a, a game with her friends. That's kind of I don't know if that's sad or not because I don't know if you actually were quite happy to know that she'd fallen in love with you because you know that could have become another sweet romantic story, uh, resulting in another marriage uh, between uh, people. Who knows? Anyway, um, maybe she was joking, and maybe if she is listening to this. 
Maybe she should get in touch with you and tell you how she really feels. And then maybe it could be the start of something beautiful. Um, I like the way that you um, gave a voice to your friend. You, you kind of put on this this sort of high-pitched voice of a girl like that. That's funny. I like that. I like it when people do that in stories. That kind of thing makes me laugh. Right then. So that was uh, Wager Wang from China. And now we're going to hear from Elena from Russia telling us a story about how she was worried sick one night when uh, the daughter of one of her friends, who she was looking after, sort of went missing. And that caused Elena to go off on a wild goose chase trying to track her down, which ended up getting the police involved. It sounds like an absolute nightmare. Uh, I will let Elena tell you the story herself. So this is Elena from Russia. Hello, my name is Yelena. I am from the far, far east of Russia. And this is my story. It happened about 20 years ago. But I remember every single moment of that night. Now, looking back, it makes me smile. But then I experienced a full variety of feelings from fear, anger to relief and even happiness. Uh, the fe- featured character of my story is Julia. Uh, she is the fr- uh, daughter of my friend. She was about 18 years old. I lived in a coastal town, so her mom sent Julia to stay with me for some days during her summer holidays. I introduced Julia to my niece, Ina, and once they went to a youth discotheque. I was not worrying uh, because Ina was older than Julia, and uh, it was just on the doorstep. When at mid at mid time uh, mid time midnight music stopped playing, I was waiting for Julia to come in. But uh, time was passing and no Julia. It was uh, uh, thirty. Uh, uh, it was uh, 12.30, Then it was uh, one a.m. and I started getting nervous. Uh, then we did not have mobiles, so the only I could do was to drive somewhere to look for Julia. I drove to the place where uh, the discotheque was held. There were no nowhere there. Then I drove. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, then I drove to Ina's house. Ina was at home, and she told that Julia went home as well. Uh, I did not know what to do. I was scared to death. I was in panic. And um, the most uh, terrible scenes were circling in my head. I imagined an adult man who would uh, lure her into their car. They would promise uh, her something. She was naive. They would, uh, would give her alcohol and they even could rape her. Anyway, I drove to the seaside. There were many people there. It was dark there. And I was running along the beach, uh, shouting and calling for Julia. Uh, but there were no Julia. Uh, I was, when I was returning, all of a sudden, a policeman uh, just appeared in front of me, waving me to stop. I knew that uh, their target uh, were uh, drunk drivers. Uh, The traffic policemen uh, were hiding in their car in the darkness by the roadside. 
uh, you know, uh, it was summertime, people could afford drink alcohol. And as uh, boozy driving uh, it was a serious violence, uh, the police uh, could deprive drivers of their license. So uh, usually drivers would offer a bribe. Uh, police would accept it and everybody uh, uh, would uh, would be happy. Uh, when they uh, told me that I was drunk, that I started uh, to explain them what had happened, but they did not, wa- or did not want to listen to me. They uh, even made me leave my car, then they forced me to sit into their car and they started escorting me to the medical center to check Uh, uh, the level of alcohol in my blood. I did not offer a bribe and uh, suddenly uh, they uh, they uh, released me, but they uh, did not uh, offer any help. I was returning home. When I came in, I saw Julia peacefully, peacefully uh, sleeping in bed. Uh, I could say uh, could say nothing, just uh, tears, uh, uh, just tears started to fill my eyes. Uh, you know, uh, Julia was so naive. She decided to walk around uh, to explore neighborhood. I had uh, I have uh, the only lesson from that story. Story. I know we should respect uh, the feelings of people who is responsible for us, who can uh, worry about us, and we should teach that to our children. So thank you very much. Right. So that was Elena's story. Wow. <clears throat> wow. You must have been worried sick. Thank goodness it was okay in the end, Elena, and that Julia was all right. Um, I hope she was grateful for the fact that you were running around town trying to find her and getting stopped by the police. I see that the police didn't help you at all, Um, but um, thank goodness it was all okay in the end. Um, All right then, so let's move on. And That was Elena from Russia, and I'm now going to play you uh, a story from Frankie from Sicily in Italy. And this is his story about how he went on an adventure with a friend walking around in the countryside or near a lake near where they used to live, I think. And uh, they got threatened by a scary man with a shotgun. So here is uh, the story from Frankie from Italy. Hi, everyone. I'm Frankie from Sicily. And so basically what happened is that me and an English friend of mine decided to, well, walk across around the lake and so well we were so excited and we were like oh yeah we can you know this is so amazing and so we drove there and we just started walking right away so about about two hours into a walking into a walk we like we see that the way is basically stopped we can't go any further and so well there's a dam and so we have to get through the dam somehow so this friend of mine is a bit crazy. He decides to well jump onto the dam and somehow like like a like Spider-Man just get through the dam. And so we did. We actually got through the dam. And it was amazing. Oh my god, unbelievable. So we get through and we like, "Oh, uh, let's hope we can just walk straight to the end and just, you know, that's it." But not so easy. Well, we get after like half an hour, one hour walking, we're like, there's a gate. 
The way is stopped by a giant metal gate. We have no idea at this point where we are, and we're just like lost, completely lost in the wilderness. So this place, you have to realize, is amazing. It's like pure nature. Uh, but there's no one there to help us out and stuff. And so we just start walking and we sort of, at the end, find our way. And we meet, well, we find ourselves basically on a hill on the land of, well, of a guy. And this guy, this farmer, isn't too happy when he sees us. And he basically is like there with a shotgun and he looks at us and he's like, Hey, hey, you two guys. What the hell are you doing, eh? I don't know why I'm doing a Cockney accent for this guy. He's like a Sicilian farmer, but anyway. And so, basically, it's like, what the hell? Get the hell out of my property. And so, so we did. We just run away, straight away. <laughs> We're, like, so scared. And at this point, we meet two random cyclists. And they're like, hey, guys, what's up? So, we two just cycling around the world. And, yeah, yeah we're just, you know, finding the way and stuff. So, hey, see ya. <laughs> And so this was a very random encounter, but anyway, <laughs> so we see this, we continue walking, we like, we see this path, and, well, there's a sign, and written on the sign, it's like, well, like, trail park or something, it's like, basically, there's a, like, there's a trail, you can walk there, and so, but, you know, it doesn't seem to be, like, too promising, it's a, it doesn't, you know, it looks a bit weird, but anyway, we decide, we decided to just, you know, go on anyway, at one point, you know, for the journey, we realized that the the way had not been used for at least 15 years. It was just completely full of, like, weed and stuff, you know, weeds and stuff. And so we get, like, scratched full of blood. And we're like, oh, crap, we have to go back somehow. We have to go, we need to go back. And so we did, we did go back. And after all, well, <laughs> we found ourselves in, well, an abandoned city, like ruins and stuff, and it was quite creepy, and so you have to realize, the, like, this is amazing, it's an amazing, this giant lake is amazing, and we're, like, nearby the lake, but it's really creepy, it's getting dark, and, you know, the way to drive back home, you know, is quite a long while, so we really need to get back to the car, you know, before, like, 6 p.m., <laughs> and so we just tr run, start running, and at one point, we find ourselves like in the mud, you know, like the sand, like when they say you step on onto the sand and the sand just sucks you in. So that's basically what happened. And so we're like, we almost got like, drowned in the sand. Uh, but at the end, we like saw the car park. We like run there, and after about like five hours, we got there. So after all, we spent like from eight in the morning till like eight in the afternoon. But we got back to the car, we were so relieved, and it was amazing. And so, yeah, that's it, guys. Okay, so that was Frankie from Sicily in Italy. Another story about one of my listeners who who nearly died uh, in some terrible adventure. That sounds like a nightmare adventure, that one. Uh, it sounds like something out of a horror film. First of all, you, you end up nearly getting shot by a, some angry Italian cockney farmer, and then you almost get sort of uh, cut to pieces by some uh, bunch of weeds or something. And then you nearly get pulled down into quicksand. Oh, my goodness. Can everyone just take a bit more care, please, when, they, uh, when they're out and about? All right, that was Frankie from Italy. Now we are up to number nine. And this one is uh, Zdenek from Czech Republic. 
um, talking about a funny lesson that he learned on the London Underground about how uh, to use or not to use the word please in English and why people generally don't talk to each other on public transport in London. So this is uh, Zdenek from the Czech Republic. Well, about 10 years ago, I took a friend of mine to London and the idea was that I would show him uh, the place that I had that I had lived in for about one and a half years, and uh, you know it was it was a bit nostalgic for me. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing the the friends that I had left behind, and the places that I uh, used to see every day, and the things that I used to do. So. Yeah, it had it has a special special element to it for me, uh, and my friend my friend um, really liked meeting new people and practicing uh, his English and so on. So it was a it was a nice nice idea, a nice holiday. On our first day, uh, we went sightseeing. Now, when I say sightseeing. We didn't really do much sightseeing as such. I mean, I showed my friend the Arsenal Stadium because obviously I am an Arsenal fan. And also um, I took him into the Lillywhite at the Piccadilly Circus. Lillywhite, it's like a huge department store and so on. And, you know, um, we don't really do these things much. So naturally we were a bit tired. And so we decided to go home and... Um, so we went down the underground and um, actually it was quite crowded down there in the train car. Um, we had to stand and my friend in particular was tired. So he he was looking for, a, for an empty seat. He wanted to sit down. However, um, as I said, there were loads of people around and um, basically there was only one empty seat. However... Um, uh, someone had someone had a sweater on that seat, so it was it was kind of occupied, and right next to a seat, uh, a tall, a well-built black man was sitting. Okay, there was this young, um, healthy-looking, strong, strong man, and my friend, being a talkative and communicative person, he is. Um, well, he wanted to ask this man to remove the the piece of clothing that he had on on that seat in order to sit down. And obviously, my my friend's English wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad either. I mean, to be honest, I don't see my friend these days much, but at the time his English wasn't perfect. However, he he had never been afraid to to use it, which I think is great. Uh, anyway, he wanted to ask him to remove the the piece of clothing, and you know, you know, when you want to ask someone, you say please, right? That's that's like the magic word that you should use. So, what what my friend said to cut the to, to cut the long story short, he came up to him and said, "Can I please you?" Now, obviously. Um, this was not the the ideal thing to say, and to be honest with you, at the time I was already dabbling into English teaching. I didn't really know what to say, whether to laugh or 
uh, because it was it was very awkward, you know. Uh, at one on one hand, it was kind of funny and hilarious what my friend said. On the other hand, I thought that the the look on the face that the that the black man had suggested that he might he might be up for a fight or something. Um, so it was a bit embarrassing for my friend, and I had to explain to him later uh, what happened, basically. But, you know, obviously you can't use uh, please as a verb. I mean, you can, but it has a totally different meaning. And, you know, I don't really want want to go into explaining this. I think I think you get it, right? Don't you? <laughs> anyway, the moral of the story is you should learn English properly. And um, don't always assume that uh, the the meaning of of a of of a word is similar when you change its word class. Just just be careful. All right. Okay. Anyway, that's that's my story. Bye. So that was uh, Zdenek from the Czech Republic there giving us a valuable lesson about uh, the word please and that if you use it as a verb, it does mean something else. Can I please you? Uh, what do you mean? For example. All right. Now, um, this is the last one. This is Marla from Germany. And this is her story of a close encounter with London's most amazing detective. And here we go. Hello, everybody. My name is Marla and I'm from Germany. And I'm excited to, to tell you one of my favorite anecdotes ever. So this was around three years ago. I was 14 and my family and me visited my exchange family in Wales and they lived close to Cardiff and because it was a beautiful summer day we decided to take a walk along Cardiff Bay. So we were walking and we walked along this government building and my exchange dad and my dad decided to take a look around inside and um, my exchange student, she's a really good friend of mine and me, we decided to stay outside and just um, enjoy the sun. And then a few minutes later, my dad came outside and told me that they were actually filming the BBC series Sherlock Holmes in there. And I was so excited because I'm a huge fan of the show. And on that day, I was actually wearing a um, jumper with Benedict Cumberbatch's face on it. And it had um, Sherlock Holmes written all over it. But before going ins inside, I took it off because... I thought everybody's going to think I'm a weird fangirl and I was really embarrassed. So yeah, I took it off and we went inside and we um, walked up some stairs and we saw some cameras and some crew members. But I think a bit at that point they were actually taking a break from, from filming. So we didn't actually see any like acting or something. But it was still really cool. And next to me there were sitting these five girls sobbing their eyes out, crying hysterically. And it was actually kind of funny because, I mean, I was really excited and really happy, but these girls were on the edge. It was kind of, kind of funny. Anyway, um, we walked outside again. And after a few minutes, a man came out. And we, he kind of looked like an actor because he had an assistant with him that made sure his clothes don't wrinkle and stuff like that. So, and he sat down to smoke. And then um, I don't know how we actually ended up talking to, to him because I'm quite shy normally and I don't just approach people asking them if they're actors. But I think m my friend asked him um, and it turned out he's 
one of the main characters in season three. He's the villain, and I think his name is Lars Michelson or Mickelson. I don't know how to pronounce it, but um, he's yeah, he's the villain in season three, and it was super. He was super friendly, super nice, and um, he's Dutch. And we talked a little about that, and then we ended up taking a picture and then saying goodbye. And it was so amazing because when I um, saw the season three, when it came out, I actually recognized him and remembered that is the guy I actually met a few months ago. It was super, super cool. And yeah, that is my story. It was actually one of the best days of my life because I was with my family. I was I was with my exchange family and we actually saw the set of, of Sherlock Holmes. So that was really cool um i hope you guys enjoyed my little anecdote and i'm really excited to listen to some of yours and yeah i hope you have a nice day thank you marla nice story god i'm so jealous i want to visit the set of sherlock it's one of my favorite tv shows um by the way everyone i don't know if you're fans of sherlock the tv series but uh, there is a new season coming out in january apparently I think it's uh, New Year's Day is when the the first episode is going to be broadcast. So, uh, Marla, if you're a fan of Sherlock, then, uh, you know, that's good. There's some new episodes coming soon. But, yeah, you were on the set of uh, one of the episodes from season three. I'm so jealous. But um, I guess you didn't actually meet Benedict Cumberbatch himself, but you did meet one of the other actors, which is pretty awesome. Um, Right, so there you go. You've just heard... The, uh, the 10 anecdotes that made it through into uh, round two of the competition. So uh, which ones were your favourites? Did you choose a favourite or any, any, um, any number of favourites? In, in fact, go to the page for the episode and just click the one that you liked the most. And then um, on, the 20, what, on the 27th of November, the polling will close and then we'll work out um, uh, who's the winner in this competition. Who's that going to be? Well, I've got no idea at this stage. We will find out later on. Right. So that's that's that then. Okay, that's that. You know what to do. You know how to vote. I think what I'm going to do now is go through a little bit of language feedback, actually. Um, I've got ooh, I've got a few minutes. I think it's time to do a little bit of language feedback. Now, I don't always do this, but I thought that since I only had 10 anecdotes that I could spend a little bit of time just going through some of the language. Now, I'm sure that my listeners don't mind. I'm sure that the, the people who sent in the anecdotes are not going to mind because... Ultimately, as I said, this is all about improving English. Now, for for the most part, the English that we heard in those anecdotes was really, really good. So there's not a hell of a lot of correction that needs to be made here. Uh, but nevertheless, me, let me just go through a few points that I noted down here while I was listening to those again. So in... Where did I start? Um, okay. Oh, excuse me. I've got a blocked up nose. Did I mention that? I don't know if I mentioned that at the beginning of this episode, but I've got a cold again. It's really annoying. It's doing my head in. Um, so where where am I going to start here? Um, okay, right. So first word, uh, first thing I'd like to do is just simply the word journalists. Journalists, okay. And the point here is the is the vowel sound in the first syllable. Uh, uh, jur, journalists. So not or not journalists. Okay. So it's not or like tea or coffee, but uh like her you know, or, uh, look at that, that's disgusting, uh, uh, jur, journalists, journal, journalists, not journalists, got it? 
Okay, so that's the first thing. Uh, what's next? Uh, next one is um, um, we heard um, the expression people that are unknown. So if there are people that you don't know, we would call them strangers. Okay, strangers. Pe- not people that are unknown, but strangers. All right. Um, there is a point here to be made about the word strangers and the word foreigners, because in some languages um, you you have one word for those two things. For example, in France, uh, they say strangers when they mean foreigners, but strangers are just people that you don't know. For example, when you come home, when when you were a child, your mum might have said to you, come straight home, look both ways before you cross the street and don't talk to strangers. So that's people you don't know are strangers, but people who come from other countries are foreigners. Okay, all right. Um, next thing is uh, you heard, I had to go by foot. But we don't go by foot, we go on foot, okay? We go by everything. Go by car, go by bus, go by plane, go by helicopter, go by hot air balloon, go by camel, go by skateboard, but you go on foot, all right? So there you go, not go by foot, but go on foot. Um, Bullet fire, bullet fire. You heard that in one of the stories, someone mentioning bullet fire. But we don't say bullet fire, it's actually gunfire, Gunfire, meaning the sound of guns being fired. So we call it gunfire. I heard gunfire coming from a nearby street. Um, and um, and then we heard running like they were saving their lives. So people running like they were saving their lives. Imagine you hear gunfire in the street and then you see people running down the street, uh, running like they were saving their lives. Well, the expression is they were running for their lives. To run for your life is the expression, if you're running so fast, you know, running in order to save your life, you're running for your life. So run for your life. And these people were running for their lives. Okay. Um, what else do I have here? Um, I've got, uh, um, you heard this sentence, you heard, I think I may fall in love with you. I think I may fall in love with you. Now, um, that is a, that would actually refer to the future. I may fall in love with you, like I might fall in love with you in the future. But if you if you're talking about the past, it would be I think I may have fallen in love with you. I think I may have fallen in love with you, which means that uh, it's possible that I fell in love with you, or I might have fallen in love with you, or I may have fallen in love with you in the past. If you're talking about the present, it would be I think I may be falling in love with you. And if it's the future, I think I may fall in love with you in the future some at some point, okay? Uh, so I may have fallen in love with you. I may be falling in love with you or I may fall in love with you uh, in, for the future. Uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Turn over my page here. We have, um, you heard this, the only I could do was blah, blah, blah. The only I could do, and we need the word thing. So the only thing I could do was, um, I don't know, get in the car and search. So the only thing I could do. Um, And you heard this one as well. She told that Julia went home. She told that Julia went home. So this is a common mistake. We need to say she told me. Uh, Okay. She told me or she said that Julia went home because you tell someone something and you say something. Okay. So uh, she told me that Julia uh, had gone home. Or she said that Julia had gone home. 
All right. So, and it's Julia had gone, not Julia went. She told me that Julia had gone home. It's reported speech. That's why we have had gone. She told me that Julia had gone home. All right. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, Frankie, Frankie, your story about this terrible misadventure around the lake where you nearly died about three times. Um, now, Frankie's story was all told in the present tense mostly the present tense, which is okay. I mean, we do often tell stories, we give anecdotes like this by doing the whole thing in the present tense. Like, so we go to the lake and then we we walk around it and then then there's, there's this huge fence, but we climb over the fence. You know, you can do the whole thing in the present tense, but just make sure it that it's all present tense. So try not to mix up present and past. If it's If you're going to tell your story in the present tense, make all of it in the present tense. If you're going to do it in the past tense, just stick to the past tense, but try not to mix them up. Also, um, we heard um, you talk about sand that sucks you in. You know, like wet sand that sucks you in. Well, we call that quicksand, okay? Quicksand is sand that sucks you in. Uh, what else do I have here in my list? Um, we heard someone say, my family and me visited Wales. My family and me visited Wales. Well, technically, it should be my family and I visited Wales because me is the object pronoun and I is the subject pronoun. Like, you, for example, you wouldn't say me visited Wales. So it's I visited Wales. And so therefore, it's my family and I visited Wales. But actually, that's a, that's a really common error made by native speakers. Like native speakers make that mistake all the time, including my brother and me. When we were kids growing up, we would say that sort of thing all the time to my parents and then my parents would angrily correct us it's one of those things that we used to get corrected for so I would say James and me are going to the park and they'd say you mean James and I are going to the park so actually uh, that's a sort of mistake that native speakers make all the time um I think that's it right that's it journalists uh those things uh I may have fallen in love with you um that's basically it in terms of the feedback. So not much to, to, to give there, but still a few things, a few pointers there, a few bits of correction. Um, so that's basically it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to all of those anecdotes. And as as I said, uh, please, 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 please do go and vote for your favourites because the more votes we get, the more, you know, the more real the result will be because obviously some of these some of the contestants are obviously going to ask their friends to vote and things like that but if if more people uh genuinely vote for their favorites then we're going to get a much more representative and therefore reliable result from this competition and don't forget it's all just a bit of fun right it's all just a chance to encourage my listeners to uh push their english a bit further and if you didn't send your um if you didn't send an anecdote in for this competition then um well, you know, you could still try this. You could still do this. You could still uh, think about stories that you have in your life and convert them into into English uh, ones and practice telling them and write them. And, and it's, it's always good to have a few little anecdotes up your sleeve for these social situations where you end up telling little stories about yourself. So think about stories in your life and how would you convert them into uh, English, okay? All right, then. That's the end of this episode. I look forward to seeing the votes arriving on the poll on the website. Um, and thank you again so much to everyone who took part in this competition. And congratulations to these top 10 anecdotes for getting through to the, ra- the second round. Congratulations, guys. Well done. Well done to all of you. And thanks for listening. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. I'm now going to go and blow my nose, but I won't do it on the podcast. Don't worry. 
Um, I'm going to end the episode and then blow my nose. Okay. All right, then. Thanks for listening. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.